All right, ladies. Well, if we can all kind of, this is so much fun. We haven't got to split off, like be away from the guys in so long. And I've been so excited about this. It's, it's totally different than what we normally do. So if you've never been to Cross Life before, we don't normally do this. I don't think we've actually ever completely split guys and girls from when I started coming here about five years ago. So this has been a little bit different, but really excited tonight. Um, and just because of tonight's topic of purity, we thought that it would be more helpful to be split out and be um, in a room like this. So the other thing that's going to be a little bit different is this talk is also going to be a little bit interactive. I would have rather been sitting down with you guys and it'd be a big circle, but that just didn't seem like it would work very well. So I'm going to stand up here, but um, we're going to definitely do this more as if we were sitting in a giant circle, but it's just going to be a little bit closer if that's okay with you guys. So let me go ahead and just pray for our time together. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much just for your word and just for the opportunity it is to get to grow in holiness, Lord, and pursue um, discipline and dependence throughout the summer. Father, I pray that tonight's study would, would convict our hearts, Lord, but would also um, serve as an encouragement to press on towards Christ. So, Father, I just pray for this evening, for everyone's heart who is in here, that we would have open hearts, Lord, and that we would just seek to grow in you tonight. So I pray these things in your precious family name. Amen. Does everybody have, have a little sheet? We're, we're good there? Okay. Um, so our text tonight is going to be, we're going to start in 1 Thessalonians 8. Or Sorry, there is no 1 Thessalonians 8. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8. And so we are going to be in a lot of different passages tonight. We'll be jumping around quite a bit, but... Primarily, this is going to be the text that we're going to study tonight. So go ahead and read that. So 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8. Finally then, brothers or sisters, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we have gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God for your life, sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and in honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. And we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So I don't know if you guys notice in this text, but kind of first off, this isn't an exhortation. Paul's not coming across and he's not saying, you guys, you're struggling with impurity. Stop. And this is one of the reasons that I got to choose this text because this group is an awesome group of gals. And um, thank you guys for striving for purity. And I know it's something that we all struggle in, but it's going to be a reminder. So please don't hear me saying that like, um, I know of a whole bunch of things that are going on. I don't. And that's praise the Lord for that. Um, but it serves as a reminder. And so also hope that you just kind of notice in verse one that he says, I urge you in the Lord Jesus. So dependence on the Lord is going to be key tonight. So kind of be keeping in mind the fact that as we study this tonight, it's complete and total dependence on the Lord. 
that causes us to be able to be pure and strive for that. So that's kind of verse one. Kind of read that one more time for you. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you recede from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. So I don't know if you guys can see these, but I've got two graphs on the boards. I've got one over here that kind of starts off and then it kind of plateaus as holiness. And sometimes I think as, as Christians that we kind of get to this point and we're like, okay, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty well and I can stop right there. But is that what Paul is saying here when he's saying more and more? No, it's not. He's reaching for this one where we strive until we get a glorified body, we're going to strive towards Christ. So that's what he's meaning when he's saying more and more. So some of these verses we're going to fly through really quickly and then some of them we're going to camp on and that's what's going to happen with these um, two and three. So I'll go ahead and read those. For you know what instructions we have we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. How many of you have ever wondered what the will of God is for your life? <laughs> because <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was the most common question is, I don't know whether I should go to MSU. Lord, I don't know if you want me to be married. I don't know if you want me to be a mom. But right here, he just answered the question. The will of God for your life is your sanctification. So kind of to answer that first question on your seat, what is the will of God for your life? It's, it's sanctification, which is becoming more and more like Christ. And then he said, but specifically sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. And so this is the part where I kind of want your guys' interaction here. And I wrote down a couple of questions, and we're going to kind of define a couple questions on what is not sexual immorality. And so you guys can kind of answer me yes or no on this. So, number one, is it impure to be attracted to someone or notice that a guy is good looking? No, <laughs> it's not. That's okay. Um, is it sin to want to have sex someday inside of marriage? No. Good job. You can say it excitedly. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, is it wrong to be turned on without any conscious decision to do so? No. If, so conscious decision, meaning, you know, so, something came up and you were like, oh, have you ever just like blushed and you're just like bright red and you're like, oh, is that wrong? No. Lastly, is it wrong to experience sexual temptation? No. So those things are, are not sexual immorality. So let's go ahead and define what is sexual immorality? I kind of wanted to see what your guys' thoughts were on that. So anybody throw out what maybe would be a definition of sexual immorality within that you can think of in Scripture? Impure thoughts? Impure thoughts? Yeah, it's a big one. Sometimes, but not always lead to action. Yeah. So specifically, we've got adultery, got homosexuality, we've got pornography, we have being pornography. Um, be really explicit here: masturbation, 
you know, watching those things on TV, seeing those things on the internet, acting in any of these things. So when we said, is it impure to be attracted to someone or notice that he's good looking? It's a bad thing to be like, that's a nice looking young man right there. <laughs> no, it's not, but it's what you do with that thought. It's what you do with that afterwards. It's recognizing that we have to respond correctly to those things. Um, so any other thoughts on, can you guys think through different scriptures or anything that you can think of on defining sexual immorality? I was pretty sure that we, that we got them all. Okay, so let's move on to just uh, another part of this one that's in this verse 3. Because Paul says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. And I want to camp on this part for a little bit. What does it mean to abstain? And let's go ahead and turn to Ephesians just to help us out on this one a little bit. We're going to go to Ephesians 5. Three through five. And can I have somebody read that for me when they get there? Thanks, Jess. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as it is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, no crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral and impure, or is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Thank you. So, based off of what um, Paul just said right here, what you know, what does it mean to abstain? Maybe I'll give you a scale. On a scale of one to ten, does it mean ten being absolutely nothing, stay completely away from it, and one being like oh, we can dab, you know, we can go full out as much as we want. Where on that scale do we need to be? 20. 10, exactly, absolutely not. Um, ha have you guys heard of the book Not Even a Hint by Joshua Harris? Yeah, not even a hint, not a, not any part of it. And so that's what Paul's saying here when he's saying, but sexual immorality and all impurity, he, he leaves, he's not just talking about some of the actions of sleeping with a boyfriend or um, homosexuality. He's not just talking about the actions. And so I wanted to look at a couple of these things on your guys' sheets with you. What would it mean to abstain um, through action? I kind of gave a couple examples, but what does it mean to abstain in action? Don't do it. Exactly. That's, that's pretty much exactly what it is. Why do you think it is that our world kind of changes this? Our world would say, if it feels good, it's fine. If it feels good, do it. What's wrong with that? Yeah. That's, that's such a huge part of it because we're not, the Bible says no. And so it doesn't mean that we can dabble in it. It doesn't mean that, you know, we can toy with it a little bit. It says, it says no. 
And so action would be, you know, staying away from it completely. Um, yeah. So I think those things, th that type of um, abstaining, I think a lot of us get that. I think we all know, I think all of us in this room, if you don't, maybe this is a new thing that you're learning tonight. Um, but I think all of us know that it's wrong to have sex outside of marriage. Um, that it's wrong to um, be that close with a guy intimately before you're married. I think a lot of us know those things. So let's move into something that I think a lot of us in this room are probably all guilty of. And so let's go to what would it mean to abstain in our thoughts? What's that? Bounce. <laughs> yeah, bounce. Yeah, get out of it. Um, anything else? What else would, what does it look like? We can't always like stop those thoughts from like entering your head, but it's kind of like mm -hmm. what we do with them. Like, are we going to dwell on it or are we going to fill our mind with something else? Exactly. So when a thought kind of pops into your head, kind of those unconscious efforts that we were talking about, if an un, you know unconsciously something pops into our head, we're like, oh, that's not good. Just like what you said, Alethea, it's getting rid of it. It's not dwelling on it. It's not thinking about it. It's, you know, when we know that we're starting to think about something, when we turn on the TV and something pops up and we're like, oh, that's not good. We look down, and I would challenge you guys to do that, that if something pops up on the screen as we're watching it, which this also kind of ties into action as well, when something pops up on the screen at home or when we're watching Netflix, you know, we zoom through it, we stop it, we turn it off. Um, it's, it was so good for my heart to move into the household of gals that I'm in with right now. Um, Brooke and Stephanie, they've done such a great job of when something comes up, it's like, let's fast forward through it, or, oh, this is a bad part, or, oh, maybe this part is something that might not be very good. Because what happens when we watch those things? We think about it. And it's hard not to do that. So that's what we don't want to do. Um, let's go ahead and turn to Matthew 5, just while we're thinking about that thought. You guys could probably know this verse and thinking about it. But Matthew 5, 27 through 28. Does somebody want to read that when they get there? Thanks, Sydney. You have heard that it is said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Thank you. So even looking and lusting, it's in our thoughts. And so if we're thinking about it, and we're dwelling on it, and we're craving it, that's when it turns into sin, and that's when we need to change those things. Thanks for reading that, Sydney. So let's move on to the next one. What would it mean to abstain from sexual immorality in our motives? Dressing modestly. Dressing modestly, that's, that's a big one. Do you, wanna, do you wanna expound on that a little bit? Um, dressing in a way that is not intended to cause attention thoroughly. Yeah, dressing in a way that's not causing somebody else to stumble. That we're not, you know, when we look in the mirror and we're like, oh, 
I look good today. Like, I'm probably going to turn some heads. Well, maybe you should change if you're going to turn some heads because you probably get back to the closet then because you're right, you probably are going to turn some heads if you're distracting yourself. Then, <laughs> just saying. Um, but in our motive, so dressing is a really, really big one. Um, what are some other things in motive? Your intentions and conversation. Yeah. What would it look like to be impure in an intention and conversation? Um, speaking with a boy in a flirty manner, mm-hmm. like, or with the intent of a flirty manner, because you can be friendly and still be, you know, immodest. Yeah. Or you can be friendly and still be, yeah. Isn't that funny how much influence we can have? I can stand, you know, this far away from a boy and do really, really well having a conversation. Or, or I could stand, you know, this close and flirt and be kind of close back and forth. I love Tan Holiday. And we all know what that looks like. We've seen that when you're on campus and you're walking around and you're like, that girl's kind of into that guy. She's kind of like all in his territory. But we don't want to do that. Our motives want to be pure, especially with our brothers. Um, we want to seek to, to give them space in that area of, hey, I respect you, and it's going to be my motive to stand at a distance from you that's going to keep my heart pure, and it's also going to keep your heart pure, um, if that makes sense. So kind of the, the last one that I wanted to hit there is what would it mean to abstain from sexual immorality in appearance? And this is one that I kind of had to think through quite a bit. And I'm not talking about our dress, but I'm more so talking about appearance and what it would look like, how others could perceive it. Be careful where you are when you're mm. talking with a guy. Yeah. What would be a, what would be a scenario that that would not that could be looked at as bad? Like if you're alone in a room. Especially if it were dark, we're playing mm-hmm. outside, something. Yeah, and why would that be bad? Any anybody else can jump in. Sorry, I don't mean to pick on just on you. Yeah, like people could accuse you of things, and I'm not like the world's not even supposed to be able to accuse us of something. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be so far above it, yeah. so that would leave room for someone else to be like, "Ooh, what was happening? Mm-hmm. You know, what was going on? That kind of thing." Yeah ever walked into a room with a bunch of junior hires and they all just jump? They're like, and was probably anything happening? No, but somebody walks in the room and it scares them and they all jump a little bit. Like, I've totally been there and done that. And, but the idea is as believers and as Christians that we don't even want that. We're, could it happen where we don't mean to? Yeah. Or is that bad? But how? But if we're going to be striving for holiness and purity, how cool would it be if it's like, no, I can't think of one single time where I saw her flirting with a guy or maybe being in a situation that she shouldn't be in. How cool would that be to get to heaven and be able to talk to the Lord and, and be able to say, well done, my faithful servant. Like, good job. Like, blameless there. And that's the standard that we're striving for. And that's kind of why I wanted to hit on a couple of those things because by God's grace, um, I know many of you are doing well in the area of 
um, staying um, pure sexually and saving that. Um, but also don't hear me saying that everyone is because I know that from my past testimony, I didn't. And it, um, so that's, this is something that I really had to study through and it was really good for my heart to get to study through because it's helpful to get, for us to get to strive towards holiness and purity when we love Christ. And so I did want to touch on these things of just thoughts and motives and appearance because that's, that's the goal. That's what we're striving for. We're not just other people in this world. And so with that, go ahead and flip back with me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, I think something that would be real common amongst our group would be a lot of texting and mm -hmm. Snapchatting with guys. That can really look mm. like you wouldn't want it to a lot of the time if you're sending a lot of pictures of yourself or over texting them, texting them too late. That's another form of mm. that where appearances could be um, questioned for sure. That's definitely, I think, Trina, I didn't, yeah all of those things. This is why we're in a room combined together because there's things that sometimes we don't think of. Could it, you know, you be like talking about like what you had for dinner and it be a completely pure conversation? Yeah. But the lateness of it and the timing of it, just like Trina said, that could be not good. Um, and I also appreciate it how somebody said late at night. There's a reason that people say that only bad things happen late at night. There's, there's reasons that there's songs written about that. And so, yeah. And just some more thought, it doesn't end when you get married either. I mm. think a lot of people think, like, you need to practice purity, and then when you get married, mm. you don't have to guard your heart anymore. But that's not true. So yeah. you just keep that in mind. Like, this is a lifelong thing that you have to strive for. It's not just like, when I'm single, I'm going to strive for these <laughs> things. And when I get married, it'll go away. It's like, yeah. you still have to. Be careful in how you're interacting with other men, or there's still temptation. You'll see mm. that on the street. You're like, oh yeah, they're physically attractive, but it's like, what are you going to do with that thought? Mm. So just keep that in mind. Like once you get married, it's not like, oh, it ends. Yeah. And we have a lot of engaged couples in here, so <laughs> just keep that in mind too. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Let's yeah talk to the married people. Shove them up here. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks, Shen. That's really helpful that remembering that it's not going to stop when you get married and being careful. I'm going to like add to that again that if a guy is married, does it make it right then to be, you know, oh, well, we're friends now because he's married. It's okay. He's taken. And to then treat him like, you know, oh, it's okay. You're taken so we can be a little bit closer. No, absolutely not. They're off limits. They're theirs. There's a ring. I'm going to point in that direction. That's where, well, except for right here. There's the married woman up here too. So th there's a reason that marriage is there. And um, so we're not called to be tempting or spending more time with the married guys either. So was there anything else? Did anybody want to add on any of those? Action, thought, um, motive, appearance? Anybody want to add anything to those? Yeah. Something I've heard that has been really helpful for me to think through this is how would I want another girl to treat my husband? Mm. And that's kind of helped me to really think about how do I treat other guys in different scenarios. Yeah. How would I want another guy, or how would I want another woman to treat my husband? That's, that's a really helpful in thinking through those. Mm. Good. Anything else that... 
was just thinking of love. Yeah. Like in the dating relationship specifically, I think often us women want, we desire affection. Mm -hmm. And we want them to show us affection and love in even some things like holding hands mm -hmm. or hugs or something. And just to be aware that something may be honestly fine for you, your mind, but to know what's okay for them. Mm -hmm. And to maybe even you just be very strict on that. You know, it may seem innocent. Yeah. Because we're very different. <laughs> That's, okay. That is really big. So, yeah, what would you say that would fall under motive, thought, appearance, all of them? I was thinking bit? motive because mm. maybe it's like grabbing his hand or, or hugging him. Like, you're taking that initiative of affection that you want. That's mm. your motive. But maybe it becomes harder for him. Mm. And then maybe it goes to thought. Huh? Yeah. No, that's really good, and we're going to touch on that a little bit more in a little bit, but thank you, Jess. It's really helpful just in thinking through what are we doing, like what are our intentions in doing something, even if he is your boyfriend or your fiancé, you're not married yet, and you go to hold his hand, it might be completely innocent for you, but respecting our brothers in that and knowing that, well, maybe that's, that's not helpful for them. So let's go back to our text in um, 1 Thessalonians. Now that we've got through all of three verses, good job, guys. This is why we got to split. <laughs> no, this is so good. So when we get to verse 4, Paul says that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. And when we're controlling our own bodies, and he's saying that, we each need to know our weaknesses and our temptations, and that's kind of where Jess was coming in with that too. If I know that it's difficult for me to turn on Netflix and to watch a certain show, and that's a weakness for me, if I want to pursue holiness and honor, I can't watch that show if I know that I'm going to struggle with it. If I know that seeing something or being in a pool where there's people with shirts off or if you know watching certain things is going to lead me to impurity, I need to turn it off. And so we're going to kind of move into, into verse 5 here because it leads into this as well. It says, Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. When it says like the Gentiles who do not know God, when he says Gentiles, what, what is he meaning? Unbelievers. Unbelievers. Yeah. That's exactly what he means. So why do you think it is that Paul is making it a point of saying that we're not going to walk in our passions and our lusts like the unbelievers? Yeah, they're not responsible for the same things that we are. They don't, they're not being held to a standard of holiness. They're not striving after that. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to strive after holiness. And they're not. And so when we look anything like them, we should look a lot different. Um, especially in our purity. And so I kind of, I know I have a question on here for you guys that just says, how are we called to look different from the world? Um, and I kind of had, an, so what are a couple phrases that the world uses 
to justify sexual immorality? For both adults. For both adults? Come on. What's, right. It felt right? Test drive the car before you buy it. Okay. What was your sipping? Animals. Animals, okay. You only live once. Follow your heart. Mm, that's a big one. Any any other ones for justifying stuff? It's not like I'm attached to them. Mm. Yeah, we can. The world justifies it and says it's okay. Like you're you're a sexual being. You're you know you're made to do these things. And married people. Is sex inside marriage a good thing? Yes. yes. <laughs> Jen was excited. Good job, Jen. <laughs> it's a good thing. The Lord created it. He created it before we even, before the fall in Genesis. The Lord created sex and he created it to be a good thing. And he created it to be enjoyed. And it is a good thing inside of marriage. Um, so when we as believers start making those excuses that, and the ones that I kind of came up with were definitely ones that I used to justify my sexual impurity when I was struggling with it in high school, is we love each other. We're planning on getting married. It's when it came to watching, you know, inappropriate things on TV, it's like, it's just a nude scene. I know what I look like naked. Like, what's the big deal of watching somebody else? Um, I'm just thinking it. I'd never pursue it. Everyone watches this show. It's fine. All, Mom, all my friends watch this show. It's perfectly fine. But what's wrong with saying that all of my friends watch this or all of my friends do this or we're... We don't want to be like all of our friends. Exactly. Our, our goal is, is holiness. And another interesting kind of topic is, is it holiness based on our group? So do I set the standard for your guys' holiness? No, I really hope not. That would be terrible. <laughs> um, what's our standard for holiness? God's word. So if, one, if you see one girl doing something or wearing something or doing something with their fiancé, does it make it okay for you? No. Um, and so this is kind of an area that... I, you guys all do so well in dressing modestly. And so I did want to just touch on it because it's a purity talk. So <laughs> kind of, you know, we do want to touch on it because it is really important. And married gals, feel free to chime in. How important is it that we dress modestly for the guys? Yeah. Trina says very. Yeah. To them, it's different. And so for us to seek to love them well by dressing modestly. But that does go back to, can, can all of us wear the same pair of shorts? If somebody else put, you know, different pairs of shorts on, if we all switched them around in the room, would they all be modest on each one of us? No, some of us have real long legs and that would not be okay. <laughs> and yet at the same time, shirts, tank tops, things like that, some of us are built differently and probably cannot wear anything that's low cut at all, or it's just not gonna work very well. You guys know what I'm talking about because you're women. Um, so, but our standard is holiness and we're trying to, you know, 
dress for dress for the Lord. Um, married people, do you guys have anything else to chime in on on that? I really liked what you said about like, you know, modesty is more perfect for everyone because I know being a first year teacher, I got a lot of dress code violations and I wear the same thing that other teachers wore and it just came down to like, yeah, you have to evaluate like mm. kind of your situation and your circumstances and your age and all these different factors and mm. I think it just takes a really, it, it takes a lot of humility like mm. to be content because sometimes it's easy to be like, well, how come she can wear that and I can't have a really mm. good attitude? But, and it's always helpful to ask someone else, get a second opinion from a godly gal who mm. you look up to or a sister in Christ or a mentor, or if you have a husband, they're wonderful because then you can ask them because <laughs> you know exactly what they kind of wrestle with. But, so use yeah. resources too, I think. That's, that's a really good, good word there. Good. Something, not even yeah. necessarily from like a married person point of view, but like especially like, because I used to struggle really with dressing modestly before I, you know, was fully committed to Christ. And one thing that I really have to think still even is I'm I getting my acceptance about how I look from the Lord and the Lord loving me, or am I looking for acceptance from, you know, either a husband or a fiance or just men in general? Because I think as women we want to be desired like someone else said mm-hmm. and you know especially for men who want to be desired so you know I struggle with that with my husband okay my baby and not just in clothing but especially in clothing um, mm. you know am I more concerned with my beauty regard being like how my husband views it or how God views me mm. so that's something like if I get dressed and I'm like oh should I wear this to class Think, okay, first, is it honoring my husband, and is it honoring God? And then second, why isn't my acceptance through God enough, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a bit, you know, a yeah. deeper step, but that's something that I've really struggled with, but it's also really helped me to understand why, I, you know, why I was choosing to dress in a certain way mm-hmm. and helping me not dress in a certain way. Yeah, that's really good. Thanks, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Yeah. Okay, so when you get older, can you still dress like you're younger? Like, <laughs> is that immodest? Do the guys find that immodest? So the question is, if you're older and you're dressing younger, well, okay, so I'm not going to be up here and be the modesty police and watch you guys walk in every every day. And so... Your modest is going to need to come down to your heart before the Lord. So if you're standing before the Lord and you can say, you know, Lord, and your heart is completely good before the Lord, like, I would trust you in that. Um, But I think we all know what's modest in our own hearts and what's not. And so I think that's kind of that part of it is because it's really... Like we said earlier, it is difficult. You know, seek some guidelines on it. There might be a situation, I know my mom where it tries to wear my clothes sometimes, and they usually look better on her anyways. So she's 55, so um, I, I don't know how well that answers your question, Madison, but I think it would really just depend on the motive behind it and the heart intention behind it. If, you know, 
I was dressing like a seventh grader, it could be interesting for other reasons than modesty. So let's move on to verse five in our text. Sorry, I was just going to say something. I think going along the lines of being wanting your acceptance to be with the Lord instead of man is like if you're dressing for acceptance of man, you're going to be attracting the wrong kind of guys. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to be content in your um, where you're at with the Lord and being content with him, um, then you're going to be attracting the right kind of guys. And so you'll be getting acceptance from men anyways but the right kind of men, and but then you'll still be content in the Lord, and so mm-hmm. you're, you'll be um, seen as attractive for the right reasons, and yeah. so the guys will see you as attractive because you love the Lord. Yeah, that is really good. It's always interesting, the idea of like ChristianMingle.com and eHarmony.com. We could all have at least seven boyfriends, but that's not what we want right now, and so... I'm going to just keep kind of moving on that one because I could go on a little rampage on that one. So 1 Thessalonians, verse 5, says, Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. And verse 6 then says, That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. So in verse 6, we kind of touched on these things already, but... So transgress means to wrong a brother. What would it mean to sin against another in purity? And we've done a lot of these. We've kind of talked about these already. Um, what would it look like for you to sin against another in purity? Are you saying in, in, in Oh, sorry. So to sin against another, like being sexually immoral against another person. It's causing them to stumble. Let's go with that one. Yeah. What, what would it look like to cause them to stumble? To wear something inappropriate. Okay. Yeah. Good. So we've already talked on those a lot of things being too close to somebody. Yeah, go ahead. Just. For everyone who's, who's not married, I know when I was single, I liked seeing married people show affection. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, sometimes there's a point where it got hard for me, mm-hmm. temptation-wise. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, sometimes even jealous-wise, and I have to check my own heart. But mm-hmm. And I was curious if there's a, a line for some of you gals that, do you, you know, do you not want to see stuff between married couples? There's definitely an appropriate level of public married affection. Mm-hmm. And like, just, you're in church, get your hands off. I think so many of, I don't know, across like this, there's a lot of marriages. It's like yeah. kind of almost an idol sometimes for mm-hmm. unmarried and single people. Like me especially, I see a married mm-hmm. couple and I'm like, I had a friend, I hadn't met her husband until they were engaged, but um, 
they sat on opposite sides of the room while watching a movie. And I was like, I'm confused. Do you like each other? Like, mm -hmm. you are getting married, but what does that mean? <laughs> and so they said that their friends told them flat out that they didn't want to see them touching ever at all. And I was like, okay, well, I want you guys to hold hands right now. <laughs> so they were like, okay, well, we're going to spend more time with you. But um, yeah, so <laughs> because they, they were being respectful to their, you know, to their other friends' tolerance, but it is different for everyone. And I didn't realize it. I thought they were like upset with each other. I was like, should I be here? Do you guys know we're talking not seeing them show affection to each other. Um, for me, they were going to spend the rest of their lives together. So I, I mean, I wanted to, I was looking out for my friend. Mm. I wanted to make sure that, <laughs> that, that he, you know, liked her and appreciated her and that she <laughs> did the same. So for me, I guess, I mean, I don't, I don't mind it. If I don't like it, I'll close my eyes and turn away or yeah, I'll leave if I need to, but, um, it's just different for everyone. Yeah. Um, just for time's sake, let's keep let's keep moving on this one. Sorry, I know there's a couple more questions, but for time's sake, we'll keep going. And if you guys have more questions, come. We'll talk about a couple of them afterwards. But just for kind of the the seriousness of that in putting somebody else in a situation that they would be sinned against, let's just go to Matthew 18. Because I know many of us would never mean to do would never, you know, mean to cause a brother to stumble, would never mean to do something like that. Like, Jess, I'm sure you holding your hand, if it causes one of us, you know, holding Andy's hands, if it caused one of us to stumble, it's probably an issue within our own heart. But if we were doing it intentionally, um, it is serious. And so Matthew 18, 5 and 6 says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. And so I just kind of wanted to, I know we're having fun in here and it's a really good thing because you guys all do a really good job with it, but did want to kind of drive home that point is it is a serious thing to cause a brother to stumble and to put somebody in that situation where we're tempting a brother. Um, so for example, Potiphar's wife, when she was tempting Joseph, not good. Um, thankfully, Joseph had the right response and fleed. He did a really great job there. Um, good job, team boys, um, <laughs> on that one. And there is a point that, you know, when it comes to dressing modestly, that the guys do need to guard their hearts, and that's why we're split tonight. But we want to work on our own hearts and how we dress and things like that, if that makes sense to you guys. So going back to 1 Thessalonians 4. How are we doing for time? Oh, well, we're way over, but that's okay. We like each other. So um, 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 through 8. I'm just going to combine these things for, for time's sake here. Verse 7 says, For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So in verse 7, when he's saying, not called for impurity, but for holiness, 
First Peter 1, 14 through 16 says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So on your sheet where it says, why should we seek purity? Because we're called to holiness. It says it right there in 1 Peter that you shall be holy for I am holy and holiness is included in purity. So you were made as a, you know, as a child of God to seek purity and to be working in that. So that's part of it. Um, Verse 8 where he says, therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So these aren't You know, these aren't my regulations. They're not Matt's regulations. They're not Deontay's. They're not Pastor Brian's. They're not even Paul's. They're they're the Lord's. And we seek after these things because we love the Lord and because we want to strive after the Lord. Um, So just kind of working in, in closing here, if you guys want to turn to 1 John. First John 2, I'm just going to read verses 1 through 6 to us. And it's so cool how um, this kind of really applies to people in all forms in this verse. He really addresses almost everybody here. And he says, My little children, are my, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked." So it's a really good test for our hearts when, you know, First Peter says, you know, test out our, you know, work, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. If our hearts are given a little pushback when if somebody were to come up to you and say like, hmm, you should change your shorts, you should change your outfit. It's probably a really good heart check. Not that you're not. Don't hear me saying that you're not a believer. You don't like it when somebody wants you to change your heart, change your shorts. But it's a really good heart check in saying, do you really love the Lord? If somebody's saying that that's not good, don't sleep with your boyfriend. You should really draw some lines there in how far you go with that person. And you're given some pushback on that. This is kind of a really good test for it. And so... Last passage, I promise, that we're going to turn to over the evening, is going to be Psalms 119. And so really the main takeaway is from this study that I hope you guys kind of pull out of it is how, how can a young woman keep her way pure? And I did, I kind of t- took these four Four things on how we as young women can can continue to walk in purity and can strive for purity. And it comes directly out of Psalm 119, 9 through 11, which says, How can a young man or woman keep her way pure? And the first one is by guarding it according to Scripture. 
By whole heart, two is by wholeheartedly seeking the Lord. Three is not wandering from his commandments. And four is by storing up his word in your heart. And so if we're wanting to know how we need to keep seeking purity and how we can keep our way pure, this, this is how. Um, this verse pretty much says it all. But then just kind of in wrapping up, if you are here and you're not a believer and you don't know the Lord, like I would kind of plead with you to turn that this would you know, be something that would be like, I'm clearly a sinner because God's word says that I'm doing something and I'm disobeying it, which means I need a savior because I'm in sin. And so there's a lot of gals in here that would love to talk with you. I would love to talk with you. So if you don't know the Lord and this has been something that's a little mind-blowing, please come talk to me after or a lot of the other gals in here would love to talk to you as well. Um, but also I realized that there's a big possibility if you were like, me five years ago that you could be in this room and be you may be a believer or be claiming to be a believer and be seriously struggling with sexual immorality um, and I don't want to take that part of it lightly because I know I got away with it for a long time and everybody thought that I was the good Christian church girl but struggled with it deeply and needed to work with it continually daily um, and so if that is you know that 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. We are all in this together and that it is something that purity is something we're all going to have to work with daily. Whether you're married or whether you're single, it is something that we're all going to have to work at continually. And probably to some extent, all of us, even if we are believers, are probably struggling with purity in one form or another. And so know that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. But yet... The Lord gives us a way of escape in every aspect. And so that there is a way out. When we think that, you know, hey, I'm struggling with this, Lord. We need to turn to the Lord and, and redirect our thoughts there and say, Lord, I'm struggling right now. My thoughts aren't on you. Help me flip those around. And he will. He will provide a way of escape. It's so cool how the Lord does that every time when we choose to rely on him. Um, but for those of you who are doing really well and you're like, wow, this was really silly that I'm in here right now. And I'm really thankful if you're in that spot and purity has never been a struggle for you. Um, but continue. Great. But you're not at a resurrected body yet. So continue in it. Um, so let me pray for us and then you guys can get out of this really, really hot room. <laughs> Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are and for your word and that you do give us guidelines on how you would like us to become more like Christ. Thank you just for each and every one of these gals in here and for their hearts and for them coming to Cross Life and wanting to get to know you more. Thank you that they, they do strive, each and every one of them, to, to know you more. Lord, I do pray for those of um, if there are unbelievers here, Lord, that they would turn to you and that you would change their hearts, Lord, and soften their hearts. Pray for those who um, are claimed to be believers and are struggling with purity, Lord. I just ask that you would continue to grow us, each and every one of us, in holiness, and that we would strive to be more like Christ. I thank you, Lord, for your word and just that we would continue to press on in this.
I just ask these things in your precious heavenly name. Amen.